0: While they're returning to your seat, would you grab Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2? We're going to continue in our series entitled The Third Person, talking about the Holy Spirit and His work in our life. I said to you a couple of weeks ago that I am thoroughly convinced that if you were to read the New Testament in its entirety without any preconceived ideas, that you would know without a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit was central to the, the growth and the work of the early church and the apostles. And then you would be convinced that you wouldn't want to do life without the Holy Spirit. And uh, the, the controversy that surrounds the Holy Spirit, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't like that it's controversial, but I believe if we can just talk about it, and we can look at what the Scripture says, He'll make it plain to us, and we can uh, embrace the work of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so that's what I want to do today. I'm going to begin with one of my favorite verses of Scripture, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you're there with me, say Amen. But you will, everybody say will, Will. receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will, say will again, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I love that statement, you will be. I've Spent most of my life reading the King James, and the New King James, and NIV, and they tend to use the word shall. That's a great word, but listen, the, the English standard, which is a slightly more uh, accurate version said, you will be. I don't use the word shall very often in my life, but I know what the word will means. We'll talk about it more. Go to Acts chapter two, verse one, Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound, of, came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would fill this room, that it would bring clarity and understanding to our lives, that we would begin to know more of the truth of your Word and what you want to do in our lives. Open our hearts, our mind, our spirits to hear from you and to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. I'm convinced of this. And I'm convinced of it because the Bible says so. I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit wants to fill every believer. The Holy Spirit wants to be at work in your life. I'm convinced of it because Peter uh, preached from Joel chapter 2 and then in, in Acts chapter 3 he's preaching and he says this promise, this promise of the Father, this Holy Spirit is available to you and all who are afar off. All includes me. All includes you. And so I, I just, I'm just i just thoroughly convinced that the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. And, and I want you to understand something. Uh, I am a Pentecostal. Now for all of you in the room that are former Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, Catholics, that may shock you for a moment. I want you to understand something. I am Pentecostal, and here is why. Because the word Pentecostal relates back here to Acts chapter 2 and it means someone who understands and appreciates the historic fulfillment of the feast of Pentecost as described in Acts chapter 2. And when the Bible says it, I just believe it. And so I believe what happened in Acts chapter 2 is for all who are far off. So that includes me. So I believe in Pentecost and I am Pentecostal. But we note here in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, he gives us some very important pieces of information Uh, I I love reading the writings of Luke because he's a doctor and he gives us some important details and and, uh, he gives us some context. So he says, he gives us two things that I want to point out here. He gives us a time and he gives us an attitude. The time is the day of Pentecost. The attitude is they were all together. Your version may say they were all in one mind and one accord. They were all gathered together in unity. This represents an attitude. Have you ever noticed when your family is fighting, everybody has attitudes? It's hard to be in unity. You can't even decide on a restaurant to eat at. You can't even decide on what TV show to watch because no one's in unity. Attitudes affect it. But when everyone gets into unity, the attitudes tend to go along with it. People are nice to each other. People are giving. People put a, another person their, their wants over their own. People say things like, "Well, I really didn't want carabas today, but you know what?" I just want to be with you. I want to be in unity, so let's go to Carabas. You say, I I didn't want to watch this show or that show, but I want to be with you, so let's watch it together. It's an attitude of unity. And I believe this is central to seeing the Holy Spirit work in our lives and in our churches, is to make sure that we keep our hearts and minds in unity. As uh, First of all, this starts in, in the heart of every believer. We can't have, uh, we, we, we can get our own heart and mind out of unity. We can be saying one thing and believing another thing. We, we can be saying, I love you, but in our mind be thinking, I really hope that you step on a nail as you walk out the door we got to get ourselves in unity. Then we got to get our family into unity. To have an attitude of unity. And then our church is in unity. And the more unity you see in your life, the more opportunity it is for the Holy Spirit to fill us and pour himself out on us. This is an attitude, an attitude of unity. And I want to challenge you to look in your life. You say, man, I feel dry. I don't feel like there's a lot of work of the Holy Spirit. Look and see where there might be a something that's going on to take away from the unity, from the attitude of unity in unity. You and your family at your church and say, let's fix that. And watch how the Holy Spirit will step in. Number two, uh, he gives us a time. He gives us a time. Now the third thing is, he gives us uh, a a place. Uh, But I won't go into that, but I I challenge you to study this. Traditionalists say that the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room. But in your own time, go study. There is a great argument uh, that says that it wasn't poured out in the upper room, but actually in the temple. Uh, go study on your own. For those of you who like to dig deeper in the Word of God, it's a fascinating study, um, but we won't go there today. Uh, here's the thing. The, 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 the time. The time is the day of Pentecost. This, this, this means something very specific to Jewish people. Um, in Jesus' day, in the days of the apostles, in the days of the disciples, all the way until today, Jewish people celebrated several major holidays. Seven to be specific, but they were broken down into three kind of multi-holiday groups. Uh, one happened in the first month of the year, one happened in the third month of the year, and one happened, I believe, in the seventh month of the year. And so, these, so they would kind of group these holidays together. The first was Passover... Now, if you remember from our Four Cups series that we preached on before Easter, this was, uh, this was the feast that celebrated uh, how God sent Moses and brought the people out of slavery and out of bondage into Egypt. Uh, so, so everything that has to do with, with Easter and all those things uh, and the Passover meal, that was the first great uh, feast that they would celebrate. The next one is Pentecost, which is what we're talking about today. And then the third one was the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was later in the year. We're not going to talk about that one much today. So track with me now. Passover was when the angel of death passed over the homes of the Israelites because the blood was on the doorpost. The blood covered them and saved them from death, which is a foreshadowing of the blood of Christ covering us and keeping us from death. Are you with me? So this is the Passover. The next one, the next thing that would happen is Pentecost. Now the word Pentecost is broken down into two words. Penta meaning five and cost meaning times ten. So the word Pentecost literally translates uh, 5 times 10 or 50. So 50 days after the Passover was Pentecost. The question then becomes, what? so this is the time, but what is the Feast of Pentecost celebrating? Go back to, the, to Exodus. Moses takes them out, Passover, they leave, they cross through the Red Sea, they get out into the wilderness and they're camped at the base of Mount Sinai. Fifty days after the Passover, uh, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, and on the top of Mount Sinai, Sinai, God gives Moses the law, the Ten Commandments, and, be- and is the foundation of the other laws of Moses, of which turned out to be 633. So Pentecost was a celebration, a feast that God actually laid out and said, I want you to celebrate the giving of law. Now this is foreign to most of us today. We don't like laws and we don't want people to tell us what to do. But but God said to to Jewish people, I want you to have a feast. I want you to have a celebration of the giving of the law. Now, this is fascinating. Why? you know this? God could have chosen to pour out the Holy Spirit on any day he wanted to. Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. He could have chosen any day. So why is it that God chose to pour out the Holy Spirit on the very day that they were celebrating the giving of the law of Moses? Now, let's understand something here. I don't even know where I am in my notes. Can I just talk to you this morning? All right. All right. Now, when, when, when God made you man, when he made Adam and Eve... He designed us and he created this thing where we could stand and walk in right standing with God. We had a place. So imagine this is our place. God said, I want you to stand here. And where is that place? That is uh, walking with God, standing beside him, having full access in communion with God. That's the way he intended it in, in the Garden of Eden. And so here's what he said. I set you in this place. I want you to walk with me. I want you to have full access to me. We have a great relationship we talk back and forth the bible says he walked with adam and eve in the cool of the day he spent time refreshing with them but then sin came and sin knocked us out of our place now for the rest of humanity we are spending time trying to get back into right standing with god so when the law of moses came it was God's first model to get man back in right standing. So God says, if you keep these laws, if you walk in my ways, you can be in right standing with me. So he gives all these laws. The problem with the law of Moses was it was working from the outside in. It was large. It was cumbersome. There were too many laws. Most people couldn't remember them all, much less keep them all. Uh, It was massive. So if you can imagine you're standing here and you're in the right place, but if you were holding... And envision with me holding a mound of boxes, 633 boxes, and you're trying to balance them all. And and you can do it for a little while, but the moment distractions come, you you stumble and you fall. And once you drop the boxes, you immediately step out of right standing with God. And the only way to stay in right standing was to keep the laws of Moses. But the the way it was working working from the outside in. Uh, it, It was never changing the heart of man, and thus man couldn't keep it. So, the fulfillment of the law of Moses was Jesus who came and He said, Listen, I'm going to stand in for you, and I'm going to put you back in your place. I'm going to put you back in right standing with God, and, 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 and I'm going to tell you just, just set all these laws aside, and I just want you to stand here because by my grace you are saved. Not by holding the boxes correctly, just by my grace. And here's the deal now. If you drop a box, no problem. God's grace is extended for you. But then Jesus said something else. It's because, because the, the thinking is and, and this is a popular teaching uh, around the world today is that because of God's grace we can just live any way we want to but that's really not the case because the law of Christ is actually a higher law than the law of Moses Jesus said it like this he said, they said which of these commandments uh, is the greatest Wh- which of the law of Moses is the greatest and Jesus said this The first great commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second of these, and they go hand in hand, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And upon these two laws, all of the other laws rest. So here's what Jesus was saying. Don't worry about the 633. But if you can keep these two, The natural fruit of keeping these two is you'll keep the rest. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31 and 31, will you you put this scripture up for me? Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant That they broke he's speaking of the old covenant the law of Moses though. I was their husband declares the Lord verse 33 But this is the covenant. This is the covenant that Jesus brought that I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord I will put my law within them And I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people fascinating God didn't just say, forget about all the laws and go live the way you want. He said, I want to write them on your heart. I want change to begin on the inside. I I, I want, because of what I've done for you, the, the natural response to be to live according to my ways. Paul wrote it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Spirit is capitalized there. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. Not on tablets of stone like Moses did, but on tablets of human hearts. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to write the laws of God on your heart. So that now it becomes a part of you. And it's not something you're doing just because someone's forcing you to. But it's a part of who you are. So now, here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Because I just want you to think about this. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This sounds simple in the beginning. But when you understand, that means putting God first in everything. When you understand, that means, means loving God more than you love your kids Loving God more than you love yourself. Loving God more than you love your wife, more than you love your parents, more than you love any other thing or any other person on this earth when you're putting Him first in everything. It's not always simple. It gets more difficult when you have to choose. Will I sleep that extra 20 minutes or will I get up and pray today? It's not as simple as it first sounds. I appreciate you, Jesus, for simplifying it for me, but you didn't make it really easy for me at at that time. And so it's difficult, but it's doable to put God first. About this one, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know what kind of neighbors you have, but I've had some neighbors in my life that were difficult to love. The first thing is here do you even love yourself? Do you even love yourself? If you don't love yourself, you're not keeping the law of God, the law of Christ, the law of love. Then if you don't love your neighbor, you're not keeping the law of love. It's easy to love your neighbor when they're kind to you all the time. But do you love your neighbor that's stealing your stuff and parking on your lawn and leaving ruts in the middle of the flood? When stuff starts going wrong, can you still love your neighbor? So here's what happens. We go through life and we're, we're trying to hold these things. And as usual, the nature of man is we keep falling away. Even though it's written on our heart, we keep falling away. But the grace of God keeps pulling us back. But here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit steps in and says, listen, I know these things are hard. I know that the law of Christ is a higher law. But here's why I'm here. I want to empower you to keep the law in your life. I, I, I know it's hard to not sin at times. But I want to empower you. Here's what the Holy Spirit, why did he come on the day they gave the law? The Holy Spirit came because he said, now I want to be in your life. I want to walk with you and I want to help you overcome sin every day of your life. I want to help you love when you don't want to love. I want to help you love yourself when you don't love yourself. I want to help you with that. I want to help you love when someone has done you wrong. I want to help you with that. I want to help you love when the temptation to sin is so strong that, that you can feel it in your bones. I, I, the Holy Spirit said, I want to step into your life and I want to overpower you and empower you to overcome that sin, that addiction, that temptation, whatever it is. I think that the, that God sending the Holy Spirit on this day was the perfect day because God said, I'm going to empower you to live the life of a a believer, to live the way Jesus lived, to live the life of an overcomer. And that's one of the great reasons that he came. How many of you would like with the Holy Spirit to help you? I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, It's not hard to sin, but it gets harder when you're praying in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit within you gives you the strength and the power to say no. It gives you the strength and the power to say, I'm going to live like Jesus lived. I can't imagine living my life without the Holy Spirit. You can't walk down the mall without an opportunity to sin. I want the Holy Spirit in my life every single day. I want to stay in right standing with God. And I don't want His grace to keep having to pick me up I am appreciative that it's there, but I'd much rather the Holy Spirit just allow me to stay here in the in the first place. Does that make sense? All right. Now, I want to go and and uh, so we're we're looking back at the Old Testament and what Pentecost is and 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 the whole the work of the Holy Spirit. In in the Old Testament, I'm gonna give you three Old Testament examples of. You remember, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the three separate baptisms the baptism of salvation, the baptism of water baptism, and then of Holy Spirit baptism. We see them all throughout the New Testament. But let's flip back to the Old Testament and let's see if we can find some examples. You see, if it's true in the New Testament, you should be, it because, because, the, because the New Testament is fu- the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So we should be able to see examples, we should be able to see symbols, and we should be able to see some foreshadowing of what was going to happen in the New Testament. We should be able to find in the Old Testament. Let me give you three examples. Um, let's start with this one. When Moses went out in the desert, they needed a place to worship, and God said, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to build a tabernacle. I want you to build literally a tent and you're going to set it up and everything all the rest of the of the Israelites camp was going to be around this tent this tabernacle the tabernacle of Moses the bible tells us that it was a model that abraham that god saw uh, i'm sorry that moses saw in heaven a model what was going on there and god told him i want you to build it exactly like this because you're modeling what's happening in heaven We find this in Hebrews chapter 8. And and so he said, I want you to build it just like you saw it. There was an outer court. There was, uh, then you would go in the outer court, and that's where the tent really began. And you would step into the first door, and that was the holy place. Then there was an inner tent, a a smaller portion, a smaller room. And this was called the most holy place, or the holy of holies. Inside the Holy of Holies was where the Ark of the the Covenant resided. This was the manifest presence of God on the earth in those days. This is where it was. No one could go in except for the high priest. And he had to go through the exact right order to get in and to get into the presence of God lest he should die. If you and I went in in those days, we would die on the spot. And they would have to drag you out by a rope it was so thick it was so holy so here's what we see what does this have to do with the holy spirit three things three important things happened before the priest could go in one of them was they had to sacrifice a spotless lamb the second was he would go over and he would wash in a basin a water basin or, or a laver, and he would wash and clean himself, and wash off the dirt uh, of his old stuff. He would wash it all off. The third thing that happened was, he would go over to another place, and he would be anointed with oil that would cover his head. Now, I want you to think about it. Three things. Number one, sacrifice of the lamb. Fast forward to 2,000 years. Jesus was sacrificed as our spotless lamb. This is a representation of salvation. The first step in conversion. You remember this? or you nod your head if you're with me? So this is number one. Number two: He would go over to the wash basin basin, and he would wash, and he would wash himself, he would cleanse himself. What does that sound like to you? Water baptism, a burying of the old man, a washing away of the old habits and lifestyles and hang ups and sins and problems and regrets, a washing away. The third thing was he would be anointed with oil. Now when you study the Bible, uh, especially the Old Testament, to be anointed with oil, was rep- uh, oil was a representation of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to consider this. The high priest would come in and he would make a sacrifice, salvation. Then he would go over and he would wash up, water baptism, and then he would be anointed with oil, Holy Spirit. And then he would get into the presence of God. Here's what I, here's what I want to challenge you with today. Now when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn and we all have access I don't care who you are and I don't care where you've been. He tore the veil so we can all go boldly before the throne. We can all feel God. But if you want to experience the fullness of the presence of God in your life, don't stop just at salvation. Remember, it was a model of heaven. And while Jesus gave access to everyone, it doesn't mean that the model changed. You still need the Holy Spirit in your life to experience the fullness of what God has for you. It's still there. And if you want to get deeper in the presence of God, if you want to know Him more, if you want to experience Him, if you want to feel Him, if you want Him ever present in your life, you need the Holy Spirit. The model still exists in heaven even though we all have access. I want the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that I have encountered God on many different kinds in my, times in my life. But my encounters where the Holy Spirit had filled me baptized me, washed over me, covered me, and anointed me. Oh, I wouldn't trade those for the world. You need the Holy Spirit. Here's another one for you. Uh, Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Notice here, under the cloud and passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So notice three things here. This is Paul writing. They were baptized into Moses, we were under the cloud, and we passed through the sea. Now let's break these three down. Moses, remember, was a deliverer. And and uh, the Bible says in Acts that and and peter quoted moses who said that that uh, who prophesied that god was bringing another one like him so another moses that's jesus that would come and deliver us from sin once and for all and and so being baptized into moses is a representation here of being baptized into jesus or salvation are you with me Let's go to under the sea, pass through the sea. Notice they pass through the sea, specifically referring to when the Red Sea was parted, the Israelites walked through. When the Egyptians came behind them, the waters crashed over them. They literally passed through with instruments of death on both sides of them. They passed through water baptism. The New Testament tells us this was this was when the Israelites were baptized when they walked through the water. They walked through, they walked through the death. They were water baptized. Are you with me? Number 3, in the cloud. This is a representation of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Israelites. Here's what it looked like. When they got into the Promised Land. They're they're in or excuse me, into the desert. They are in a desert. These people had been slaves. Other than Moses, and many of them had has visited the wilderness. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know what was going on. There, there was no buckies to stop at and get a, a cold drink and use a clean restroom. They did not know where they were. They were lost. But here's what God said. I'm sending you a cloud by day and a fire by night. And, he's, and here's what that cloud did. Three things. The cloud led them and the fire led them through the wilderness. It gave them direction. He helped them know where to go. Know, know how to... He was, he was with them. And then the third thing was he comforted them. Think about being out in the, in the middle of the wilderness. You're all alone. You, God's led you out here, but now where is God? But as long as that cloud was there and that fire was there... They were comforted by the fact that God was with them. Now I want you to fast forward to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he was our guide. Jesus said he was our comforter. And Jesus said he was our Holy Spirit. So no matter if you're in a desert in your life today, where you might be, what you're going through, here's, here's what God wants you to know. He, the Holy Spirit is your guide. He'll guide you on where to go. He'll help you get there, and He'll comfort you along the way. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the Israelites, and this is what He wants to do. We, were, we, we can be in the cloud. We're going to be under the cloud, under the work of the Holy Spirit all the days of your life. How many of that sounds good? He'll he'll guide you where to go. He'll help you get there, and he'll comfort you along the way. All right, one more, one more. And uh, Genesis chapter 15, um, God's going to cut covenant with Abraham and I don't have time to go into all the, the, the history of what cut covenant, cutting covenant was, but they would literally sacrifice several animals. They would cut their carcasses in half and then lay them up next to each other. And if two men were cutting covenant, they would walk together in a figure eight motion in between the, each half Of those carcasses. They were walking and they were passing through death. This is what they would do. And it was part of cutting covenant. So God says to Abram, I'm going to make you a covenant. Now, at this point, his name is Abram, uh, not Abraham. His name is Abram. God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. What's fascinating here is, is just before they start the covenant, the halves are laid out there. They're ready to go. God causes Abram to go to sleep. And instead of Abram walking through an oven appears, and a torch appears, and the oven and the torch walk between the halves. Now, what is this representation of? I believe that the oven is symbolic of God the Father. Why? Because Jesus said that true bread comes from the Father, and he's the, He is the creator. He is the giver of it, and the torch represents Jesus the Christ as the light of the world, right? So, So here is Abraham, ready to enter into covenant with God, but somehow God puts him to sleep and says, no, 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 you can't stand in for yourself. You need someone to stand in with you. So he sends a torch to stand in for Abram. As soon as Abram wakes up, the Bible says that they had entered into a covenant together. So someone stood in from Abram. Fast forward 2,000 years ago, Jesus was trying to get us back in this new covenant with God. But he said, listen, I'm going to stand in for you. So we see the work uh, of salvation saving us there. What Jesus did for us is salvation. Well, the second thing was when you see that they would pass between um, the the halves. This is a representation of water baptism because they were passing between death. Remember the walls of death? And and you said when, when, when you pass between these halves, what you said was the way I used to do life was over. Now I'm in covenant with you, and this changes everything. My old past is gone. My old ways are gone. Now it's something new. It's it's symbolic of water baptism. Now, where is the work of the Holy Spirit? Fast forward two chapters to Genesis chapter 17. And here's what, uh, if you'll help me with this verse, guys, here's what God says to Moses. No longer shall your name be Abram but your name shall be abraham for i have made you the father of a multitude of nations so i want you to note here uh, if you'll put that that slide up for me guys god said your name was abram but he inserted two letters in it now in the hebrew there are no vowels so we're trying to write something here that it's defining a sound. The sound is, oh, or the sound of breath, or the sound of wind. Oh. So I want you to track with me. Same word, uh, same letter used for the word Ruha in Hebrew, which is the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the life of God, and the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to get a picture of this. God said, Abram, you're doing pretty good on your own. But I want to insert my spirit into your life. So I'm going to take your name, and I'm going to pull it apart, and I'm going to breathe the breath of God into your identity, and I'm going to change who you are. So now you're not just Abram, a man, but you are Abraham, filled with the spirit and the life and the, and, the, and the wind of God. And you see this all through the Old Testament, the wind of God, the breath of God. Breathe. And this is what God did. He said, I'm changing who you are at the very core. The thing everyone knows you by, I'm changing it and I'm adding my spirit into you. Here's what he did. When you studied the name, Abram means father. Abraham means father of multitudes. I want you to think about it. You can do a lot on your own, but when the Holy Spirit breathes into you, you are multiplied in what you can do. You're empowered in what you can do. Right? This is the the breath of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of Abraham. He was not just the father of our faith, but he was the forerunner. He was the first Pentecostal right there because he was filled with with the breath of God, with the Spirit of God. Now, what about Sarai? His wife's name was Sarai, S-A-R-A-I. A few verses later in verse 15, he said, listen, I want you to change her name. And I want you to, you shall not call her name Sarai, Sarai but you shall call her Sarah. Ladies, it's not just for the men. But the Holy Spirit wants to breathe on you too. He said, I'm not going to leave you out, Sarah. I want to breathe into your life. But I just want you to note something here. Just note, and and I'm closing here. He took the eye out. And he put in God. God. He, he he took out the self-centeredness, the, the pride, the, the, it's all about me, and he breathed in the Holy Spirit. He said, Listen, you can't receive the Holy Spirit and, and, and be dealing with pride and self-centeredness, and, and you've got to get rid of all that for the Holy Spirit to fill you. And she said, Listen, let me take all of that out of you. Let me take all of your life that wants it your way, your your the way you want it, the time you want it. Let me take out your agenda and let me breathe in the Holy Spirit into your life. I love this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, and, th- uh, and this is where we begin. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen, if you are if you think it's all about you and you think it's your way and your pride and your ability, you don't, just don't even worry about the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and He empowers you, you have a recognition in your life that I couldn't do this yesterday but today I can. I couldn't stand yesterday but today I have the Holy Spirit. I was all right last week, but today I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It won't be because of you, but it will be because of him. It will be because he breathed into your life. What about this? You will be my witnesses. Being a witness for Jesus, it stops your agenda. It stops your plans. You had a good idea for your life, but God said, no, no, no. You want the Holy Spirit? I want you to do my will. I, 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 you're going to be a witness for me. You're going to be walking through the room, and the Holy Spirit's just going gonna to find yourself praying for people you don't even know why. You're going to find things happening. You're going to start talking to people about Jesus. Why? Because the Holy Spirit said, you will be a witness for me. You will be. Now, I love this. You will. This is not a statement of uh, this is not a, a demand or a command this is a statement of fact when the Holy Spirit fills you you have power when the Holy Spirit fills you you are a witness it's not negotiable it just is don't let the left devil tell you you don't have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you will receive power you have it pride, you have to go. It's not about me, but it's about your ways. Holy Spirit, fill us today. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus if you need the Holy Spirit to breathe into your life if you need him to become a part of your identity just split my name, change my name just breathe into my life would you just stand with me and lift your hands for a moment he is here today breathe upon us breathe upon us Holy Spirit Lord I pray that you would step into our hearts and step into our lives step into our situation Lord be our comforter, be our guide be our helper. Pride must go. My way must go. Lord, empower us. Empower us. Empower us. Empower us. We will be a witness for you. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.